inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling Yes, it is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Today's debut program this season is brought to you by the Willie's Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Claussen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for more locations and hours. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. Family milled lumber for all projects. Check them out on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard, if it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Online at guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They're online at dandelionacres.com. And I can't tell you what a great pleasure it is to say these words. Here is the host of In the Garden 2023. Peter Burke. <laughs> Joel, thank you. Oh. That's very kind of you. Yeah, isn't it great, though, huh? Uh, the uh, We're back. And uh, what a day. Oh, oh my boy. gosh. That's uh, a beauty out there. Of course, you know, there's a week of rain coming up, so enjoy it. And well, I'm, do you have all your plants in? I planted everything, all my seeds, my pineapples, my uh, oh, palm yeah. trees, everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Over in the banana belt there, I That's, see. <laughs> yeah. Boy, well, the temptation. Was to put in a few plants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's seeds you can you can plant for sure. <laughs> Lots of things that you can do, and uh, that's always been one of my big contentions: is that the planting season uh, starts as soon as the soil can be wor- worked. Not not on Memorial Day, but. Uh, so there's there's lots of things we can do in the garden right now, and um, oh boy, there's just so many things to go over. I, I barely know where to start, but uh, uh, it's just it's good to be here, and uh, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad it's back to the garden season again. You should mention that uh, this program is for our listeners, mm-hmm. and uh, if you'd like to call anytime, the phones are open. Yep. Let us just give the main one. Well, yeah, they, they all the, work. The two four four one seven seven seven. Yeah, don't forget that eight zero two. Oh yeah, right. Two four four one seven seven seven, and all the others work too. The ones you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so call in, and and it'd be good to hear from you. And the uh, the great thing about this show is it is a call-in show. If you have questions, if you're just beginning a garden, I like to say don't do it alone. You know, there's uh, uh, I'm glad to go over the garden basics. I'm sure some of you have listened have heard me talk about the garden basics before, and and these are time-tested and what I feel as though makes gardening as easy and productive and as small as 
base as you could make, and that's why I I, I keep pushing those garden basics: uh, permanent beds, permanent pathways, perfect soil. The grid planting, trellises, and as much as possible succession planting over the whole garden year. So it's not just plant once and wait. It's you keep planting um, depending on uh, uh, what you like. So uh, and that that sort of brings me to the the my first uh, my first subject that I like to talk about, and and that is the the garden strategy and planning. Um, you know, it's important that right now uh, and, uh, well, any time during the winter is to think about, well, what do you want out of your garden? And uh, sometimes that's just a very simple thing, and sometimes it's a little bit more complex. But the more you think about it, the better off you are when you walk into the store to buy your seeds or your your plant starts. Um, or you decide what, what, uh, bushes or trees you're gonna plant. All these things, um, are, are done best if you think about them a little bit. Come up with a strategy. And, uh, just to, for instance, let's say that you wanna grow potatoes for, uh, for the fall. Well, you know, you, you sort of figure out, well, how many potatoes do I want and how much would get me? Do I want enough to get through the whole winter and how much would that take? And, you know, and, and then you can start thinking about things like garden varieties of uh, potatoes, potato varieties. For instance, there are small potatoes that you can grow for new, new potatoes, little red ones and, uh, it, and, and so when you plant those, you know you're going to get an early harvest. Those might not be your best keepers, but they are great to have during the season. And then if you want keepers, well, then you have to look at something like a Kennebec or a, a, a Norland, a Red, you know. And again, well, what is it do you like? Do you like baked potatoes? Or do you not ever have baked potatoes? Do you want uh, uh, potatoes for French fries? Is that what you want to grow? Do you just like, you know, the the new potatoes and that kind of thing? So thinking about what it is you want in the long run is is really helpful in both so, you know, in selecting varieties that match where where you want to go with it, and um, it's just like um, uh, oh. Take green beans, for instance. Uh, we plant a, a, a bed of, of uh, regular old bush beans, and we plan to use those for uh, the dilly beans. We like to have at least 30 jars of dilly beans. Uh, my wife loves to give them as presents. And, and, of course, we go through probably one a week anyway, just between the two of us. And those... Uh, um, the great thing about the bush bean is that they all come in at once, more or less over a two or three week period. You get one harvest after another harvest after another harvest. Now that makes for a pretty intense week or two of uh, of uh, canning, but at least it's all done and over with at once. But I also grow pole beans. You know, and I like the Roma variety. It's a flat pod and it's very tender and delicious when you cook it. And there are some varieties that are stringless. Um, and all of those things, uh, you know, add up to having, uh, beans when I want them for canning and then the pole beans to have them over a little bit at a time. Uh, once they, once they mature to that point, 
that you have beans, you're going to get some beans almost every day or every few days to have as a regular, um, you know, part of your meal. So that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about with strategies. Same thing with uh, tomatoes, say. Um, if you want to can tomatoes at the end of the year, again, you probably want them to come in, uh, a good variety that, uh, you know, the most common, of course, would be like an Amish paste. But nowadays there are so many varieties of, of, uh, paste tomatoes that, uh, um, you, you know, you can kind of customize it for what you want. I particularly like one that uh, was called Nova. It's a small paste tomato, and it's it's got a beautiful flesh, uh, solid, and and uh, it grows in abundance in our climate. Uh, the Amish paste is right on the edge of maybe not having enough time to really um, to really mature. Certainly, the San Marzano. Is one of the, one of the paste tomato standards, um, but I have trouble getting them to ripen up completely in my little cold spot in Calus. So, um, these are the things that you use for, for a strategy. Now, if what you want is like one great big sandwich tomato, right? Who could, who could uh, complain about having a homegrown tomato? <laughs> you know, that big slab with little mayonnaise and a good bread, you know, that's all you need. Uh, you could throw in a slice of something if you wanted to, but frankly, that slab of tomato and, the, and good bread mayonnaise is all you really need. If that's what you want, right, well, you, there are certain sacrifices you're going to make. You're not going to get a huge amount of those big tomatoes. Those big tomatoes need to be pruned pretty hard, more or less if you get a group of three or four tomatoes, you know, which often is the case, sometimes even five or six, you want to prune them out. And so it's, it takes a different strategy to get that. Um, me, I like cherry tomatoes and I like them for a couple good reasons. They are the first thing that I can pick tomato wise. And, um, of course the sun golds are so sweet. They never make it to the kitchen. They always get eaten before, between the garden and the kitchen and sometimes right in the garden. But, uh, uh, the the small and uh, what they call a saladette, these small sort of cherry or grape or um, saladette tomatoes are good for early, early. And if you if you want them to be part of your salad, if that's what you like, you know, then you want to make sure you include some of those in your tomato, you know, plans. And uh, I've I've grown. Uh, I grow six tomatoes on my trellis, which is a four-foot trellis. Um, and then I grow four uh, of the regular large tomatoes. And then I grow some of uh, uh, the Jetstar. That's one that uh, Ed used to like quite a bit. I like that Jetstar, and I grow that. That's more like a bush tomato than it is. Um, so these are all things that you, you kind of take into account is what do you want? And, uh, for instance, I found, um, after growing, um, the very productive vegetable, the Swiss chard, I found that actually nobody really in my family liked Swiss chard. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you have to, you have to take that into account as you're planning, right? You're going to grow, you know, a whole bed of Swiss chard and nobody wants to eat it. Um, I have found, though, that with Swiss chard, because it's so productive, it's hard to give up, is that we do like it if it's f- 
been frozen. It's in the fridge, and we add it to something. Uh, so we, I still grow a little bit of Swiss chard, but not as much as I used to. Spinach, there you go. That's a whole different thing. Now, to get good spinach, right? You're gonna, you want to. Um, uh, you want to plant your spinach in the fall. My spinach is up now, and it's coming in. And by the way, Joel, the rhubarb is up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I've noticed uh, that mine is a little anemic this year, but there is some green out there. <laughs> well, good. Mine uh, have these red bulbs that come up. They're, you know, they're growing up in the ground, and this big red, smooth head comes up, and it's like a creature coming out of the ground. It's really beautiful stuff. As you know, <laughs> we get these 20-inch stalks two inches around and yeah. stuff. I've been too sentimental with mine because it goes back almost 50 years to my grandfather's garden. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's lost its uh, pizzazz at this point. Oh, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it used to it used to be far more abundant then, but I'm going to split them in half and yeah. plant some in other parts of the garden. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. the thing to do. And and actually, uh, um, if you give them some room, if you split them, don't forget to fertilize them. Yeah, that's a, that's a real important. So um, take some time, you know, for to to work on the planning and the strategy, what it is that you want. Now, some people just want enough for fresh salad as much as possible. So how many heads of lettuce do you think you're going to go through? Well, you know, we can eat a head of lettuce a day when we were making salads. Um, do you like radishes? Well, radishes are great fresh, but also radishes are a wonderful stir-fry vegetable. They're absolutely delicious in a stir-fry. So, you know, that that's something else to, to think about. Well, what do you want for, for fresh eating out of, out of, uh, out of your garden? And that way you can design the garden to, that's going to suit you and, and not anybody else or any other family. It's going to suit you. The prep that we want to go through right now, and if you have questions on garden strategy or planning or how to adjust things to, to get what you want, give me a call, and we can we can strategize a bit. Now, garden prep this time of year is pretty simple. You know, you're going to you want to make sure you all the weeds and the stems and the grass and anything else that started in the, your garden beds. Um, that you make sure you pull those and, and put them in the compost or over the bank. You, the, those stems and, and all those uh, things like that is where a lot of uh, critters live over the winter. They overwinter. So, you know, if you have a problem with cucumber beetles, you want to make sure you, you know, you, you have cleared out wherever it was that you found them and stuff. Um, and uh, that's the first step is clean everything out. Oh. You got a call, bud? No, I'm going to have to ask Jim to call back. I somehow dropped the call. I you hope did. It wasn't me. Or right off to a great start. Jim, give us a buzz back. Yeah. And I'll put you right on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, and uh, anybody else want to give a call? If you want to go over some of these things, that'd be great. So uh, the other part of garden preparation, you want to go right to the phone? All right. Oh, yeah, chill, trust me. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Yeah, hi. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Thanks for calling back. Good, good. A couple <laughs> quick questions. Sure. So you said, so I, I, I put it in spinach last year. Yeah. And uh, in the fall, and it's coming up. 
should I fertilize it now or should I put something on it? It's little. It might be a little. You can fertilize it, and what I would what I would recommend is the uh, the the fish uh, uh, the fish fertilizer the um, the liquid stuff to spray on. Oh yeah, and and that way it's a, that's a, a nice well rounded fertilizer. It's not going to burn the plants, and you know the that's a great fertilizer for this time of year. Yeah. And garlic too. My my garlic's starting to come up. Too. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, I know it's coming up through the straw. Yeah, the come right up through the straw. Should, yeah. should I put it? Throw anything on that? Or um, usually you want to uh, do your um, your fertilizing, uh, you know, before you plant in the fall. But yeah, in May that. now you can put a just a, a general fertilizer, you know, like the uh, ProGrow, you know, that's a I think it's a a five four three or yeah, something like that. It's yeah. a general fertilizer. That's the blue bag. Yeah, yeah, the blue bag. Yeah, and uh, that you would you could put on that uh, on. Um, it's probably won't help to put any bone meal in there, but um, the no, general do pretty well with my garlic. I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In May, sometime once it warms up a little bit, uh, what can happen is that if you put uh, nitrogen on right now, um, it can actually uh, uh, pull nitrogen out of the soil when you put that fertilizer oh. on. So you want to you want to wait till it's a little bit warmer. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah, garlic and spinach. Wow, that sounds delicious already. Yeah, we're, we're already, we're already going. And what was you said a tomato that you thought was good for paste? Uh, it was Nova. It's uh, Nova. I got it at high mowing. Uh, actually, I got it from Richard Wiswell um, at Kate Farm. But it's a uh, just look at the options for a smaller paste tomato. Um, I think the first one I ever used was called Princey Borgi. And it was a, a funny name, but it, again, it was a, you know, maybe two inches long, you know, inch and a half around. Yeah. And it was just remarkably productive. And I loved it because it was just as good in a salad. As a matter of fact, All right. we used a lot of them that way. And it was early like a cherry tomato. And, uh, and it also, it made a, um, you know, uh, it was good to can with too. Yeah. I have a lot of success with cherries on my in oh, yeah. on my deck and pots. I mean, I yeah, yeah. My, I think my cherries. Where are you, Jim? Where Where are you? Gardening. Waitsfield. Waitsfield. Oh, okay. We're at about seven hundred, and we're up on the on the side of wave on the side of the hills away from <laughs> Sugarbush. So we're about almost eight hundred feet. Oh boy. But sometimes it gets, still gets cold. It's this a challenge. Yeah, helps. it's a challenge. No, no snow left. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, Jim, well, thanks for care. the call. And, Glad you're back. Uh, yeah, good, good. Okay, I appreciate that. Bye. And then uh, we have a call from Norman Bristol, don't we? Do you have a... Yes. You do? Hello. Hello. Hey, Norm. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, good. How, how was your winter? Uh, great. All right. I have a question for you on yeah. strawberries. I just got done covering them. Yeah, huh? And I always had problems with the uh, strawberry bud weevil. Yeah. And I need I need to know what is the good uh, a good organic spray for that bud weevil. Well, I'd start out with the with the neem oil. That that probably will do you. That probably will take care of it, and you probably want to start here fairly soon. Right. Um. Yeah, the neem oil would work. Uh, also, the 
the spinner's head, Captain Jack's, uh, okay. um, you know, dead bug. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of those two. Um, try one. If it doesn't work right away, go ahead and use the other one. I won't notice it for a while until they start putting out buds. Cause yeah. Just at, yep. you know, early, yeah. Early, early stage. Sure. Just make sure you're ready for it. That's all. Okay. So once the buds start to swell, or yep. maybe even, that's when you want to put it on, right? That's right. Before that moth or whatever it is that lays those eggs. lazy eggs in it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, uh, let me know how it goes. I will. Okay, Norm. Well, enjoy your strawberries. I can't wait. As a matter of fact, I got a ton of rhubarb, so strawberry rhubarb pies yeah. in the future. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, mine, mine is just starting to get those red bulbs, you know. Yours too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Isn't that? It's just like a creature from underground coming up through the soil. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> so when you separate those, you want to fertilize them really well, right? Separate the uh, the strawberries. Yeah. No. No. The, the uh, rhubarb. Oh, the rhubarbs. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure. Uh, they're actually a heavy feeder, but they're also, they're, they're big miners. They will go find what they need. And, uh, even though you shouldn't, uh, they seem to, to, um, uh, do fine even with neglect. But it's just like asparagus. We sort of, they grow up and they're so hardy. And then we're surprised if they start to get a little bit, you know, smaller and smaller. They need fertilizer, you know. So okay. just a general so fertilizer, general or general they even like manure. manure. What's that? Just a general. I don't have to necessarily dig them up and replant. Oh no, there. you don't have to. Nope, okay, you can. They're getting thin. Oh, if they're thinning out, then probably a good idea to get in there and whack away. the The root is is quite large, you know. And it, it's, have you seen it? It's it looks like a oh, piece yeah. of wood. It looks like a well, just like an old sassafras root. It it really is bright orange. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, so I should probably separate them because they're kind of crowded. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. I I have to do the same thing. I. Mine are mine are huge, but they're they're sort of hard to get into because there's so many stalks going hurt, every which it won't way. Won't hurt them to put a shovel down in there and just break them. Apart. Oh no, 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 not at all. Nope, okay. that's uh, that's kind of the way. Matter of fact, you may once you dig out around it a little bit, you may see that it's actually started to split. So okay. just you know continue on where it started to split, and that's you know that's sort of normal normal uh, uh, for those plants is that they they're going to split after a while. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Norm. Thanks Thank for the call. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, it's time for a break right now, and we want to thank the fine sponsors that make this season of yeah. In the Garden possible right here on WDEV. Too busy gardening on Saturdays to listen to In the Garden? Not to worry. You can listen anytime with the In the Garden podcast. Gardening information for Vermont gardeners with host Peter Berg, sponsored by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, where you'll find flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs with an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes. Go to dandelionacres.com for hours. The In the Garden podcast is available on the WDEV website, wdevradio.com.
Our number is 802-244-1777. Once again, here's Peter. <laughs> yep, and uh, you're welcome to call in. Uh, but I will just keep going on the, the garden cleanup and all those good things. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Joel, is that uh, as you list through the different sponsors, I think of, I've been to almost each one of these stores at some time or another. And now P&R Lumber, that's where I got my 2 by 6 uh, spruce boards uh-huh. for the for the beds and it's rough cut so it's a little thicker but um, you know I use either one uh, either the rough cut or sometimes I just get regular old two by six studs and uh, I had uh, somebody ask me about beds the other day and they they wanted to get those some galvanized uh, uh, these beds that are uh, I've seen them around. But anyway, you got a call here. Yeah, you have to say that. Right. Uh, the, uh, the folks at uh, PNR Lumber, uh, you know, if you're first to, if this is your first time with the beds, they can give you all the information. In fact, okay. I, have, I think they also have some pre-made. I think so. Yeah. But at any at any rate, uh, they had a bit of a fire, but their lumber yard is intact. They're in full service. Oh, good. Uh, and they're ready to serve you. So I'm just going to push the button here. Okay. And say, well, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> hi, operator. Okay, let's see. Let us push this one and say your first name in town, and uh, uh, you're on the air with Peter. Hi. Hi, Peter. This is Dick. Hey, Dick. How's it, going? Hey, how's it going? How was your winter? Good. It was very good. Very good. Good. Um, on your raised beds in the springtime when you're getting them ready. Yeah, uh, do you actually turn the soil over or just kind of scratch through it? I use a, a little, you know, uh, hand rake, you know, the three-prong mm-hmm. ones, and that's all yeah. I do is I just rake through it with that and make sure I pull out all the old stems and whatever else I find. Occasionally a, a rock has popped up, and, you know, I'll take that out. But uh, mm-hmm. that's all the garden prep I do. Um, okay. the The only thing that I haven't done that uh, I'm going to try is a broad fork, putting that in and just sort of, you know, going down and, and loosening up the soil a little bit. But I haven't tried that yet. Actually, I haven't even even noticed a big need for it because, you yep. know, all your roots go down pretty pretty far and continue to loosen up the soil. So that's what I use mostly is just that little hand rake. Okay, because I, uh, in the fall, I put... You know, quite a layer of uh, mulch leaves uh-huh. on mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I, in the spring, I've been just turning them over to kind of get them in, mm-hmm. mixed in a little better than sitting there on top. So, mm-hmm. But I know one people get, get away from rototilling because it kind of disturbs everything that's building up in there. So yeah, that, yep. I didn't know if it was similar or if it made any difference, really. Uh well, in the long run, it probably doesn't make a huge difference. Uh, the problem with the rototiller is it sort of spanks the the bottom and makes almost like a, a hard pan, under, you know, so many inches down. Right. And yep. that's not the best. And also you break up all the, the earthworms, uh, you know, tunnels and stuff. And the earthworms are just coming back to the surface. So uh, the raking in, uh, in the soil there is really just to clean up all the, you know, the loose leaves and all the other stuff. So, yep. So yesterday, while I'm working on one of my beds, I pulled out some of the most beautiful carrots from last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just not too big, not too small, just as nice as 
But um, just as sweet as could be, right? Once they've been oh, frosted on the... put them right into a salad last night. It was <laughs> so good. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? What a nice surprise, yeah. huh? <laughs> and uh, last year, last later last fall, I gave you a call because my uh, cherry tomatoes in particular were not ripening off very fast. Yeah. So we were going going away for a week or so in October. So I pulled everything I had for green ones. I wanted to get them out of there. Sure. And I put them in my garage and I covered them up with newspapers, which I've done before. Yeah. Uh, we had fresh tomatoes right up until <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh man! For some reason, I mean they they ripened off so. So well. So perfect. Yeah, that's and great. They were just very small. Now, what variety was it? Do you re- you recall what you grew? Oh, I don't. No, I don't think they were sweet one hundreds. Yeah, because that, uh, that's sort of the thing that that you you know not every cherry tomato is is equal. You know, there's there's just like the 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 sun golds are super sweet, sweeter than any other cherry tomato. You know, uh, certain ones are are plain, and some of them actually are. You might have had an eighty day to, uh, cherry tomato there, which most yeah. eighty days, ninety days, you just won't ripen up enough. Yeah, but you discovered something else. You, yeah, go ahead. Two days, I go lift off the newspapers, and oh, there's another handful. (laughs) (laughs) What a nice surprise! Well, again, you've had some nice surprises this year, and I have. Okay. Okay, Dick. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated. And we have Liz, Liz, and Chester. How are you today? Hi there. I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. What's up? I'm. I'm calling about, um, I've been reading a lot about nude. About what? Did we just lose her? No? New area for just flowers. I've been running out of room. Um, and in the past, I've gardened with raised beds and used um, soil that's specific to, you know, raised beds. I use the Coast of Maine yep. mix, which is so beautiful and nice yeah, and has spoiled yeah. me. Beautiful stuff. Um, <laughs> but prices have been going up and, um, you know, raised beds, even building those themselves have been getting expensive. So I've been looking into um, how I can set up a new area with a new no-dig method. And a lot of the books say to just put cardboard down and then put about five inches of compost on top and plant directly in that. Curious about your thoughts on that. <laughs> I, I've I've used cardboards for my path because nothing will grow down through it and nothing will grow up through it. So I would I would not use cardboard unless it was shredded, or I'd be more likely to use shredded newspaper than the or even newspaper rather than cardboard. Plus, cardboard has all that glue in it, and I I, I just really don't think it's good for if. You know, if you're doing flowers, it's not really a problem. But if you're doing vegetables that you want to eat, I, I would stay away from it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's probably no long-range problem with it. But, again, cardboard is not that good a growing surface. So I, I would stay away from it, honestly. I, I can't imagine anybody recommending it as a as a garden bed. Uh, but um, so um, you want to start a new one. Well, uh, you know, for... For garden beds, you know, 
I, I, as I was saying, I just use the two by sixes and, you know, the studwood and, you know, it's, it's cheap enough. It's certainly much cheaper than anything else you can get. Um, how big of a bed are you thinking for your, these are for flowers you were saying? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking to do, I guess maybe six beds or, mm-hmm. I was trying to hope, hopefully just eventually turn that whole area, mm-hmm. um, kind of into a plot mm-hmm. without using those structures. And yeah. I was wondering if planting into the compost oh, itself I, would be safe. I would, um, I, I have one good friend who's a, just a heck of a gardener and she, she never used the boxes, you know. But what she did is she had a, a a raised bed that was raised, you know, with a pitch with a fork, you know. She she double dug the the beds and added lots of compost and whatever else she could get, and um, uh, they were raised certainly, but they they there was no boards on the side of them. So there's no reason you can't just do sort of like a lasagna style. Um, you know, one layer after another layer after another layer of different things to, to, um, to break down. And the, what do they call it? The remial, re- uh, more or less the ends of the tree branches, you know, with, that still have their leaves and they're soft. Some people use that to, to create a garden bed too. Um, I'm not, I have never tried that. So that's just sort of out there that I've read about, but, I would just dig in and loosen up that soil as much as you can, and it, of course, will fluff up and be raised in a sense, in that it's it's dug nice and deep in there, and uh, the you can add anything from you know uh, leaves if you have them, if particularly if you uh, if they're shredded, um, you can add uh, oh gosh. So so many different things. You don't want to put hay in there because hay has seeds in it that will, you know, you'll be battling for quite a while. Uh, I would uh, I wouldn't hesitate to put as much peat moss in it as you can afford. Um, you know, a bale of peat moss is only thirty bucks, and you know, you that'll go a long way in those six beds. Um, how's your how's your soil where you're planning to put these gardens? Is it good soil or is it? Uh, it's hard. It's hard clay. Um, <laughs> I kind of dug a bed last year and, <laughs> you know, my back hurt for a couple of weeks after. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah. I, my, uh, yes, yes. My terrace, uh, where we dug out was, uh, was that gray clay that you can bounce on, you know. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> we, we dug two, down two feet in each one of those things and that was quite the job. And, yes. uh, and then just backfilled it with, uh, you know, with the the compost and you know, peat moss and whatever we could find, leaves and all that, and that makes a great bed. And uh, um, they found a, down in the Amazon one of the one of the old sites that they were looking at. They found these uh, garden beds that went down like six feet. You know where. Where they had them filled up with just, you know. <laughs> so anyway, if you go down a forkful, which would be about six, eight inches, that, that'd be enough to get you started for sure. And then you can plant, you can plant your, uh, your, your daikon radishes, you know, your field radishes, and they'll, they'll do a little digging for you too. Um, oh, but 
uh, I would just start with with digging the you know the top six or eight inches and turning it over and adding as much as you can find. You know whether it's uh, grass clippings or uh, probably peat moss would be the best to start with. The other thing you want to add in there, which I recommend very highly, is is a uh, uh, the vermiculite. Um, that that really lightens your soil up, and particularly if you've got that clay soil, that lightens up your soil. To, you know, really well, and it's not very expensive. You know, it's a uh, mm-hmm. twenty bucks for a bag, and and that's a four um, four cubic foot bag is huge. And I've gotten that at uh, Plainfield Hardware, or Igway, or Blue Seal, or I think even Menards would have it. Um, uh, let's see, what else could you do? Yeah, so don't hesitate to do your your raised bed without a box around it. That that works out fine. Okay, great. Yeah, that's That's kind of what you were wondering about. Can you can you make a raised bed without a box? Yeah, yeah, and I mean a lot of the info that I'm seeing just says to to put down five inches of compost and plant right into the compost. But I was Mm. just worried about. Mm. I've read that you really shouldn't do it. It might you know, burn some of those young seedlings. It might be a little too... Um, well, if it was manure, it might burn the seedlings, but compost, something that's been composted, you know, even a manure compost was not going to burn anything. You can plant right in in manure compost without any problems. As a matter of fact, so there's a fellow who sells a wheatgrass uh, and a, a kit, and he just uses the manure compost from a compost company and plants the, it right in there. So, no, you're you're fine with that, but I definitely get the fork out and loosen the the you know. Sure, go ahead, put five five inches of compost on top, and that's great. But um, but make sure you loosen that soil up down below. Awesome. Nothing I'll else you want to get then. the roots out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, do, uh, is your husband help you with this? Or oh yeah, like friend. Or, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> he does three quarters of the work. Get I as do. much help as you can <laughs> with this job. <laughs> All right, Liz. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. If you have anything more, and let me know how it goes. I'll be real curious. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, we got Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence, how are you? Hey, hey Peter, fine. Hey, Joel. A <laughs> uh, couple things. One, I wanted to talk about carrots. Uh, yeah? We had great success uh, about two days ago. Three days ago, the snow re- disappeared from our garden. Uh-huh. We removed the straw and beautiful carrots i mean it's uh and and none mushy so i don't think that it ever froze yeah. in there, there yeah. were none mushy and none yeah. were uh connie and i uh, connie had us throw a lot of dirt over them before mm-hmm. we mulched them mm-hmm. and i think it kept the critters from eating the yeah. tops of them too so that's the other part yeah the the frost and the critters between them but the dirt's a good idea i hadn't really thought of that i usually just put a hay on it but you usually lose a, a fair amount so yeah, yeah the dirt's so a good the dirt idea on, a lot of dirt and yeah. then uh uh, quite a bit of straw, so it's super. Worked out. And uh, to prepare a carrot bed, Connie's yeah. secret always is leaf mold. Mm. Carrots love meat leaf mold, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it takes a couple years to get it. You know. Explain to me what you mean by leaf mold, because I'm I'm curious. 
Well, what we we usually have some kind of fencing in a circle, and mm-hmm. we just fill it with leaves, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, try to keep it moist. But uh, after a couple, uh, sometimes we dig it around and, and mm-hmm. move it a little Stir bit. Stir it up a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. in a couple of years, it gets it gets real. Uh, you know, it starts breaking down, and then. I've got an old hi- uh, beehive mm-hmm. box uh, that I uh, put a screen over it, and then another one on top of that, and I, the one on top uh, I fill with uh, with the leaf mold, and then I just break it up, and it gets really fine. Uh, just spread that over the oh yeah that bed and other the, beds, and boy, it's and, <laughs> whatever's uh, in those beds, love it, but especially carrots. <laughs> Well, that Plus, it's interesting. You know, in uh, Ed Smith's book, he really said leaf mold was a big help for potatoes too, and so I hadn't thought about the carrots, but uh, that's great. I, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's really no mold in in the leaf. Uh, <laughs> it's just broken down leaves, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, there might. Be, I'm trying to think if sometimes it may look a little. I'm. I'm I don't. Just a second. Is there really mold in the leaves? Oh. <laughs> Lawrence, uh, that was just sort of a rhetorical yeah, question. Just, yeah, it's composed like compost. And stuff, well, I, just for the sake of the beginners, you know, I just want them to understand that this is, is not, not gross mold. This is that wonderful fragrance that you get when you walk out into the woods and the leaves are, you know, doing their thing right there on the ground. And that's exactly. leaf mold. And you get that that's wonderful right. earthy smell, that that uh, yes. fragrance that is, uh, that is broken down leaves. <laughs> yeah. But I recommend breaking it up, too, because then it... That's a great yeah, you know, it will. Yep. It may prevent moisture. You know, mm-hmm. could form a barrier. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So break it up and yep. boy, it's spread it out. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, what a, that's a great tip. Thank you very much. In your okay. carrot bed, putting the soil over the top, I had never thought of it, but what a good i would i good good idea to start is put that soil right over top to kind of keep the critters out. It certainly worked. I mean, we what we did was we harvested a bunch of them mm-hmm. in the fall. Mm-hmm. And that part of the bed, we took the, some of the dirt and put it on top of the other side of the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's where we got the dirt from. <laughs> we had a really good uh, snow cover this year too, and that that I'm exactly. sure helps quite a bit. Yeah, and that 16-inch snow in December <laughs> took us through until we finally got some real snow again. <laughs> so I think it's everything stayed thawed out. Mm-hmm. So it's great. The other well, thing I'm going to talk about is rhubarb. Okay. We, uh, about 25 years ago, when we first came to the uh, we back to this uh, place. Yeah. Uh, it had, it's a very old rhubarb bed. Probably now it's mm-hmm. sixty years old. Could easily be. Yeah, yeah. It's really old. But when we got here, the the stems were really thin, and mm-hmm. part of it might have been the person wasn't uh, fertilizing it. But mm-hmm. the other thing is she definitely over harvested it. Oh, she was every day or every other day she was doing a rhubarb something deep into August. Oh, and oh. So mm. after that. It was just thin stems. So Connie and I, we met this old-timer, 
you know, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> uh, and he told us uh, horse manure. Mm-hmm. Rhubarb loves horse manure, and we put a bunch of horse manure on it. And uh, uh, a year later, it became real productive, and it's been productive ever since. There you go, Joel. Horse manure. Okay, wait. Well, I got horses just down the block. You know, you got the stuff that you need right I'll just, there. I'll just get some sugar cubes and coax them. <laughs> so I'm sorry, it's the wrong end, buddy. <laughs> well, I get the front end to come to. That. You know, I know how it works. I, they say I don't know my thing for my elbow, but I, I see. Uh, I have a schematic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And if it, it could be, if it, I think probably a little bit older is better than <laughs> probably than the fresh. Well, there must be a pile out there the somewhere. That's a it, yeah. Anyway, so, but there you go. That's Thank you for all the help and the tips here, Lawrence. Good to hear you. Welcome, welcome back to our garden show. We're all yeah, happy. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, would you have another call? Yep. Bill in Waterbury. Hey, Bill, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm well, thank you. It's a beautiful day. Yes. Outside raking up and cleaning up. The only thing about 80 degrees in April 15th, there's, there's no shade anywhere. <laughs> I have to go sit under the eaves of my house. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, I hadn't thought of it, but I think you're quite right. Plus, where our, our blood is probably a little thick from having all that cold, you know. <laughs> We're not quite used to this heat. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, I have a question about raised beds. Yeah. I've heard you for a couple of years talk about vermiculite, which yeah. you just mentioned a few minutes ago. Yep. So we've got we've got four uh, four by eight beds. Yeah. And, uh, so when we put them in, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago, we just bought garden soil and we planted and it sure. was fine. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, a couple of years ago, I decided I needed to put some peat moss in, and I didn't put a lot in, but it's pretty dry. Now. Sure. So I'm just wondering. I don't. I'm not. I know I've heard you say before. You know. Um, Garden soil is a third compost, a third peat moss, a third vermiculite, and yeah. like that. But if I'm just going to add it to an existing bed, how much vermiculite would I put into a 4 by 8 raised bed? 4 by 8 Well, I'd, I think I'd start with a couple of five-gallon buckets. Um, okay. Yeah, it would be that would be one. When you're filling them up from scratch, a four by four bed, you need three buckets of of uh, compost and three buckets of peat moss and three buckets yeah. of. But since you already have a fair amount of stuff in there, try the you know. So that'd be one bucket for a four by four. Um, dig that in and just see see how it looks, one, and how it feels, and you know how your garden does. I, I would start uh, there. Yeah, I was able to find. I got two uh, two eighteen quart bags, so I'll have to do yeah. a little calculation. Oh yeah, okay. you can get that in a in a four cubic foot bag. It's yeah, I, I mean I, it's a I big bag, I, you know. That's a, it's it's about the size. Yeah. Yeah, they they told me that at the Agway, and I said, well, before I buy a big cube of it, mm-hmm. that most of it will just sit. Mm-hmm. I'll start with these smaller things. So that's helpful. So mm-hmm. a couple of five-gallon buckets for a four-by-four, four, you think? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, four-by-four four or four-by-eight? 
Well, I have four by eight. But yeah. You were, I thought you said four by four. You do a third, a third, and a third. Uh, when you're starting with an empty bed, you know, it's yeah. it's to fill up that bed with the eight cubic feet. You need, you know, three buckets of vermiculite, three of peat moss, and three of compost. That will fill yeah. it up. But since you, you're basically filled up and this is just an addition, I was saying, you know, the two buckets for your four by eight. I think that'll okay. be enough. Two, two five gallon pails for the four yeah. by eight. Great. Yeah. Okay. A good Thank start. You and, and uh, you know, this is just sort of a seat of the pants and by eye. And if you, if you look at it when you're done, you think, I think I could use more, then you can't really lose by putting more on. Okay. Great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. For your All right, time. Bill. Let me know how it goes. All right, thanks a lot. Sure thing. And right now, I'd like to take a moment out for another one of our fine sponsors and a really great business, and that is Dandelion Acres. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, right there on Vermont Route 107. And particularly, Dandelion Acres, they are the people that uh, sponsor and make possible our In the Garden podcast. So if you missed uh, much of today's or later on realize, oh, it started Saturday, and you know, well, you can go to WDEVradio.com and check out the podcast. We have many of them, including the In the Garden podcast, and that is brought to you by Dandelion Acres. Uh, Dandelion Acres, who are also online at DandelionAcres.com. Do want to point out that uh, with the uh, growing season upon us, uh, Dandelion Acres open Tuesday through Sunday now from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Close Mondays for the time being, but uh, that'll change, I'm sure, in just a bit. But 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. You can always call ahead at 802-234-6622. But uh, get all their information at dandelionacres.com, and they will be uh, a great resource for vegetables, annuals, perennials, trees and shrubs, as well as garden accents and tools, and uh, just about everything you need for a great growing season. As we say, everything is just dandy at Dandelion Acres, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. My goodness, this hour has gone by so very quickly. we got about another five minutes, so <laughs> let's let's make the best of it. Once again, here's Peter. Absolutely. I just turned around and looked at the clock. Thought, My goodness. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so let me just run through a couple of things. What you can actually plant now. Just remember that there, these plants like the cold. Okay, so this is a good time to plant them in, and we're just about, uh, this is seeds, and, and we're just about to get a whole bunch of rain this week, so it's a good time to put in, uh, uh spinach, uh, radishes, uh, peas, um, the tot soy, um, if you've never, uh, tried that, that's a great green, um, Endive or escarole, parsnips, arugula, uh, your onion sets, the, the little bulbs, not plants yet. The, the, if we get a hard frost, the plants get, get whacked. Uh, all your lettuces, and when I plant my lettuces, I plant seeds and I also plant sets at the same time. And then all your mescaline mixes, those are great. Uh, you can even plant some beets right now. Uh, parsnips, did I say that? And then indoors, this is six to eight weeks before the last frost, and that would be like tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, uh, all your cold plants, your broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, collards. That's all they need is about six weeks before the last frost. Oh, we got a call. Nola. Well, I didn't 
didn't want to interrupt your speech. Oh, that's, right? that's all right. <laughs> well, just calling. I've been, I've had the show on as I've been working. And yeah. So here we are, the year is 2023, and who's getting the best feedback to their show? You guys. The garden show. Not the computer show. Not the email show, but the garden show. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a lot of fun, huh? We enjoy well, it. Us gardeners are, are so we, we are who we are. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, that's a good thing. Yeah. So, I think there's um, a certain instinct in, in us that is a gardener. You know, uh, all of us, uh, you know, well, all of us eat. <laughs> and, indeed. Some of us get joy from cre- helping create that's right. food. So I'll just say that in the last two days, I've heard Joe Castiglione mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. from the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? <laughs> so the six feet of snow that banked up on the greenhouse, what snow? There's no snow on the greenhouse. Okay. Pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, ours disappears quick. The power quick. of that sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. incredible. Yes. So we're, uh, we're happily growing in the greenhouse. Good. Soon enough outside. And I think I'd just like to share this frost poem. I've shared it before. Oh, great. For all the folks that called in today and everybody that didn't call in, this is for you. Yeah. Okay, so the poet's talking to you. It's called Putting in the Seed. You come to fetch me from my work tonight when supper's on the table, and we'll see if I can leave off from burying the soft white petals fallen from the apple tree. Soft petals, yes but not so barren quite, mingled with these smooth bean and wrinkled pea, and go along with you ere you lose sight of what you came for and become like me. Slave to the springtime passion for the earth, how love burns through the pudding and the seed, and on through the watching for the early birth, when just as the soil tarnishes with weed, a sturdy seedling with arched body comes shouldering its way and shedding the earth crumbs. <laughs> Go seedlings. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter if you've done it for three years or 63 it, years. Absolutely. It's still a thrill. It's a small miracle right there in front of you. I couldn't it agree is. with you more. So um, we'll talk again. Yeah. Be well. Thanks for the call, Nolan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know, when I... And it happens this almost every time I plant my indoor garden, right? And I put those little trays in the in the dark spot and and uh, cover them up, and you know, two, three, four days later, you go and there they are, just growing like a what a small miracle, you know, <laughs> the seed is. Uh, so. Uh, we were, we were talking about what you can grow today, what you can put in. And, uh, yeah, don't be shy. Get out there and do at least the peas and radishes or whatever else you like. Lettuces, the mescaline mixes are great. Arugula is wonderful. Um, I can't take a lot of arugula. Just a solid arugula salad is a little too strong for me, but I know there are people that like it like that. And there's quite a few varieties of arugula to grow. Yeah, very fast growing, very quick to start up. And, you know, you'll put it in and three days later you'll see these little green leaves. So, um, uh, that's the, the fun of it. And let's see, what else do we have that we, have we covered everything, Joel? 
Well, I think the, as I say, the old clock on the wall will put us off until uh, next Saturday, but we can have people <laughs> come up with their questions That's and right. comments and let right, us know how write things, down your are, questions, how things uh, are coming. Yeah, write down your questions uh, that you get over the week and, and give us a call if you have anything that you want to discuss. And I always say, you can have bragging rights here. You're welcome to call. I was delighted to hear about the carrots, weren't you? The oh, boy. <laughs> and they are so good when they over, oh, oh, overwinter. Yeah. Nice and sweet. Sweet. Well, yeah, for yeah. sure. Less exciting things in my world. Uh, my new electric weed whacker will be put to use on a lot of last year's weeds before I <laughs> dig any deeper into the garden. But that's, yeah. that's what I have between now and uh, next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like fun for sure. Yeah, I've got quite a challenge. I have one bed that's <clears throat> the uh, blackberries have decided to to move in, so I got to get in there with those. And um, well, I guess I guess we're done, are yeah, we? Yeah, we'll see okay. you next week. All right, tell us where. Uh, do you have a phone call there? No, no. I was going to. Oh, well. Look, should we take one quick one? I'm going to get in trouble. But let's it's fine it. with me. Okay, let's do it. We'll, we'll, hello, in the garden. Oh, I'm sorry, I dropped the phone. <laughs> That's all right. Do you have a quick hello question there. for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a question. How can I make my... I have tomato plants hanging on and these upside-down ones. Yep. I'd just like to know how I can do it better. Well, the uh, did you plant them before? Have you already done them once? Yeah, I done it. I do. Yeah, Pro- probably the main thing with uh, with an upside down container like that would be the combination of water and fertilizer. Because uh, it's sort of a, a limited that container is fairly limited oh, I, for tomato. I added half the, the, to my fertilizer and uh-huh. I sowed them up full. Uh huh. And then the rain, I put a whole top. Okay. Yep. And then uh, and then how are you feeding them? They bust, but they didn't do nothing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the upside-down container. Um, I think it's kind of cute, uh, but uh, I don't know if it's very productive. You might just try a regular hanging pot, but uh, and, but make sure that you have the right kind of tomato for that, uh, like the Tom Thumb. Or... Well, I went with a Roman. Yeah. A Roman. Yeah. So what you want is something more like a cherry tomato, something that... And uh, there's one called a Tom Thumb. Look for one that's that is specifically made for containers because they'll have a smaller root system, they'll have a, a hardier stem, and and they they'll fill out with a, a cherry yeah, tomato sure. style. You know, I, I would go with that. That's really what they're meant for, not not for oh, regular. Oh, okay, I, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. I mean, I, mean, I we had a farm up in East Pompeii. Yeah. On the moon. Yeah. A year. Oh, sure. Yeah. And all we got, 50, we still got sixty acres up there hunting yeah. land. Yep. It's not posted anymore. Wants to go up to four quarters. Yep. I know uh, it is. The lower side. Mm-hmm. Far from the farm, that's all open for hunting. Yep. We, we do not charge hunters. 
but we appreciate you keeping trash out of our property. Yeah. Well, I'm I sure. So much trash. No, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they do in cleanup. Is they that we've down our road. Well, we've no, we've I pulled a lot of stuff. Hand. Yes, because I mean, next time I want to start posting the land. If they cannot take your garbage out after you hunt there. <laughs> well, I hear you. Hey, I didn't catch your name. What was your name? Buckshaw Holmes. Okay. I'll go by I'll go by Buckshot. All right, Buckshot. Okay. Well, it's nice you could always call and I appreciate that. Well, and you know what? I good. might be on the radio station over here in Barry's show <laughs> my stories. And like you guys want to grab me up. <laughs> All right, buddy. No. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll reach ahead if with regard to the traffic and, and things on your property, uh, contact the agriculture department, Anson and the crew. They'll give you some uh, good advice and maybe steer you in the right direction on that one because I'm, I'm yeah. on your side with that. Thank you. Well, Peter, you're not going to get in trouble. I am because I ran over, but I think for Buckshot Holmes, it's well, well worth it. What a colorful guy and uh, very much uh, dedicated to what Vermont is all about. Absolutely. So we will see you next week. Next week it is. In the garden. All right, in the garden, you bet. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, Row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Sticksandstuff.com online. Sticks and Stuff. P&R Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. They're in business to serve you. Family milled lumber mill for all your projects, raised beds, and more. Check them out on Facebook. Guys Farm and Yard. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, the In the Garden podcast, sponsored by Dandelion Acres. They're online at dandelionacres.com. Do join us again next Saturday at 1230 here on WDEV for In the Garden. Someone bless these seeds I sow Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down